0: Today's our guest is Melanie McDaniel from Freestyle Capital Group. Welcome, Melanie.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Sure. Likewise. Thank you very much for joining. A little bit about Melanie. Melanie is the founder of Freestyle Capital Group, a private equity firm and Freestyle Fund, a customizable fund. She partners with passive investors to invest in private equity, real estate transactions across a variety of asset classes, operators, geography geographies, and investment strategies. Melanie offers diversified investment opportunities and aims to have a personal relationship with each investor. So with that, Melanie, you want to add anything to your background?
1: Um, Simply, my background started just as a normal American, went to high school, go to college, all that, you know, good grades, all that stuff. Um, I did do the military for four years. Uh, I'm a big avid traveler. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2015. And I put all of that aside because I had a government job. I had, you know, the 401k. I had I had 12 more years to retirement. And I read that book and it just blew my mind. And then I was all in on real estate. So it went from agent stuff to small stuff to multifamily of my own, which led me now to the fund space where I am now.
0: Got it. So so what is the reason behind selecting real estate and multifamily on different asset classes?
1: So, multifamily um I would just say fundamentally, it's never going to go out of style to have a roof over your head, right? Or to eat food. So, I would say real estate is required for housing and food and housing being one that you can touch, feel, you know, change, redesign, rehab, tear it down, build it again, whatever. I just I love the fundamental aspect of real estate in general, but apartments specifically, especially in the economy today, if you follow, you know, supply and demand, we are just way short on rental units. And now housing so expensive. A lot of people are becoming renters that might've been able to afford a house a year ago. Right. But now with interest rates. So uh, yeah, it's just a stable, boring asset besides the fact Amazing tax benefits and you get cash flow, you get appreciation, you get so many benefits besides just owning this asset that throws cash flow at you. So that's why multifamily, that's the bread and butter of what I do. But I do a lot of other asset classes too to kind of fill in the gaps, fill in the gaps of higher cash flow opportunities, maybe diversify a bit out of the asset class, operators, geographies, and just you know, some of the multifamily, especially if it's value add, there's not a lot of cash flow until you've done your refi or toward the end. It's kind of dry the first year or two while the business model is being put into place. So, supplementing with maybe some triple net or even some debt notes that give you that cash flow for a nice diversified portfolio.
0: Got it. Cool. And define financial freedom for you. What exactly financial freedom means to you? So,
1: yeah, that definition could be different for everybody. For me, financial freedom is I have enough passive income, income I don't have to work for, just income that's kind of coming in from my money out there working for me. It's enough to pay for my basic expenses, have six to 12 months of reserves in the bank and know that I'm building my wealth and not just eating into my capital. It's uh, giving me, for me, financial freedom right now is 10K a month. That's way more than I would ever need. But since I'm such a conservative person, safety minded, I need 10K just for peace of mind of passive income. And to me, that would be financial freedom. And when I get there, I'm sure that I'll raise the bar after that.
0: Got, got, yeah, thank you very much. And so you're uh, switching towards funds model. So would you share a little bit more about a fund of fund models or how exactly yeah, you're investing?
1: So a fund of funds, uh, there's a, a number of different ways you can structure a fund. The basic fund is a, a single purpose entity or, a, 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 let's see, single purpose entity or special purpose vehicle, SPE or SPV, depending on who you talk to, but it's kind of the same thing. It's still a fund of funds. It's basically you create an entity that is a security. They're a 506C or B usually. And you can bring passive investors into that fund. And then for an SPV or SPE, you have to have an identified property that it's going to be invested in. So they invest in whatever it is, the fund invests, and then it closes. It's done until the deal is done. You, You don't keep adding new deals to that one. So that's a very basic fund model. And then they get more complex from there where it's a blind fund, where the fund can buy and sell assets. The investors just invest and the, the operators kind of have the reins to go take on debt, sell assets, buy, you know, creating this portfolio to throw off you know, returns to the investors. And then what I have is what's called a customizable fund. So when people invest in the fund, it's like they're investing in mini SPVs. I present them a deal. If they want to invest, they invest and allocate to that deal only. Or if they don't like that deal, they'll wait for the next one and then they'll invest in that. So there could be five investments in the fund and maybe they only wanna be in two or three of them. So they can kind of create, I call it Robinhood for syndication, right? Like where you you could create your Robinhood pie chart with your stocks, but here what I've provided um, is Robinhood for syndication. So maybe people wanna be in diversified into multifamily and triple net, but they don't like assisted living or they don't like storage or maybe they wanna be a little bit in all of them they can kind of take smaller slices of these larger investments that are typically a $50,000 minimum. They could have 10K in five different deals or something like that. Mm -hmm. So at at the minimum, like to answer your question of what a fund is, a fund is a security. You have to file with the SEC that you, an exemption, the 506C or B exemption. And then um, it's a 3C1 fund is what I do because if you if you do any other type of fund, there's going to be a lot more regulation and a lot more uh, expense. But the 3C1, as long as I don't have more than 99 investors in the fund, and as long as my fund isn't more than 150 million, it's pretty streamlined. You can do a, a lot and it's not too expensive, but you do have to file your exemption with the SEC, but you also have to file registered investment advisor exemption with FINRA. So starting a fund isn't just something... You do, you take lightly. It's a commitment too. When a fund is open, it could be open for five or 10 years. You need to be in there for the long haul.
0: Got it. So, in this customizable fund model, so you need to invest with one single operator or you can invest with multiple operators also.
1: Yeah, my fund can invest with anything. So, I'll, I constantly am in networking, meeting people, going to conferences, figuring out who the best operators are. I have deal flow now. I throw out most of them. And then if a deal comes across my desk that I actually like and it underwrites, um, my partner under, underwrites all of my commercial real estate and we like the operator, we do background checks, You know, we, we fully underwrite the deal and we like it, then we will negotiate with the operator to say, hey, we're gonna bring you 500,000 or a million or whatever. And then we bring it back to our investors, present it just like you would see a normal syndication presented, maybe a webinar, maybe an operating memorandum. And then they, they send in their soft commits, subscribe, wire their money. And then once all the investor money is in the fund and we write one big check from the fund to the operator. So it's one LP to the operator, which operators love because now they only have one K one, not 50. <laughs> and then when it's tax season for us and our, our fund gets the K one, then we issue our K ones to all of our Investors, uh, but it's appealing to operators because it's just me writing one big check, and I, you know, am the interaction with my investors inside the fund. The investors like it because if they like the deal, they invest. If they don't, they wait for the next one. Or someone could go into the fund even now, and there could be three options. You, they could put their minimum of fifty in and then spread it across three deals, so they can be diversified. All under 1k1 because the fund is one entity one investment the investors invest in the fund and at the end of the year they get 1k1 for all of their different diversified investments
0: got it got it so thank you for sharing that so any disadvantages or any restrictions with this customizable fund
1: um i mean the restrictions would be like i can't have more than 99 investors i'm doing a 506c fund so it has to be accredited investors only i can't bring in more than 150 million, but that's easy enough. You just shut it down and start fund too, right? I mean, there are restrictions. I'm trying to remember because I have my own PPM that I wrote and that PPM lays out what we can invest in and is pretty much any real estate or, or debt notes, but I couldn't go raise money maybe for venture capital or angel investing or something. I'd Honestly, I, because I've never thought about doing it, I'd have to go back and read my own PPM to see if I even can. <laughs> But I, I can't raise money and go buy lottery, lottery tickets, right? Like, I, I'm pretty sure I can't do that.
0: <laughs> Got it. So, I mean, what are like from K1 or any like returns, any kind of, you know, benefits? What kind of benefits you observe based on your experience observed compared to syndications?
1: I would say just because people can diversify all in one investment. Like they just keep sending money to the wire money to the same account and then they just allocate the funds to the new investment so i don't know they log into one portal they see all their investments and then at the end of the year they get 1k1 but it reflects the depreciation the cash flow everything from all they could be in 10 deals but they'll get 1k1 so uh, it's just a little more streamlined and and you can see on the map where all your investments are you can see a little pie chart of what type of asset classes you're in so you can see how well diversified you are kind of all in one spot because um know and then my investors they get to know me and they like me and i bring them decent deals so they they are comfortable just reinvesting and not not having to learn a new operator every time right because they're kind of yeah going off of what i've discovered for them um so not that i want people to just trust me and invest i want everyone to do their own due diligence but they're they kind of get a feel for what i like and how i underwrite so maybe it's less work for them in the future
0: got it that totally makes sense and so from a due diligence point of view what kind of due diligence you would perform on the operators on the markets and you know on the structures point of view
1: yeah i break it down into four main categories the underwriting itself right making sure the assumptions are conservative making sure the debt piece is a good you know good debt that we're not going to get stuck with an uncapped interest rate or you know something like that um, yeah, the yeah, mostly for that, just mostly assumptions, and then the market itself, which kind of goes along with the assumptions too, making sure the market can support the rent bumps that they're projecting, make sure it's a growing market, jobs are going there, people are going there, just the market political environment, tax environment of the market itself, and then the operators. We do a full background check on the operators, we look at their track record. I like to see exits. I know you know, people doing their first deal two, three, or four, or five, or six, or seven, but if they've never had an exit, everyone has been a genius in the last 10 years. So I dig in a little bit deeper than just the exits in the last 10 years. What were you doing in 2008? What's your philosophy on if the market tanks, like, you know, just operators in general. And then the fourth piece, not everybody separates it, but I separate it into one category that I, I look at. And I look at fees, the operator is charging, the waterfalls. Are they getting paid millions of dollars while my investors hold all the risk? Or are they getting reasonable fees? And then their big upside doesn't happen until my investors hurts, hit certain hurdles. And that can be done through a pref or it can be done through a hurdle. Like if my investors hit a 15 IRR, then it waterfalls from 80, 20 to 60, 40, whatever. I'm fine with that. As long as my investors getting their returns is the priority. Um, back to underwriting, part that's part of step four too, but uh, but underwriting, I like to see if there's PREF equity. I don't love PREF equity. I get it. I get why it has its time and a place because the common ep- equity gets the upside of the PREF equity, right? But I have seen 50% of the investment coming from PREF equity, which means those PREF equity guys get their principal first, their returns first before my investors even get their principal back. And if that's 50% of the capital stack, that, that to me is a uh, that's a, a no 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 a, a heck no so even like 20% i don't love so um i just i looked at the totality of the deal the underwriting the operator the market of course and then the asset itself and not there will never be a perfect deal there'll always be something in the underwriting i'm like eh, i probably would have used this other cap rate i probably would have used an assumption this so but we kind of figure it out with our own underwriting. Okay. They're saying they're going to do this. We actually think they're going to hit this, but over here, their cap rate was so decompressed that it was unreasonable. They're actually going to make it up on the back end. So we're okay with this one. So there's never a perfect deal. Maybe somebody has had, you know, 12 exits and one break-even. I'm not gonna like burn them at the stake for having one break-even deal, right? If everything else was a, a decent return and a strong asset and they learn from that, they have a reason. Oh, I it was a break-even because I tried a new market and I'm, I'm not going there again, like it, it was a market I didn't understand. And they, they learned from their mistake, then I think that's fine. So it's the totality of, of all of those things. I mean, obviously a background. Inspection coming back, or that, that was not great. Of course, that would just be a hard no. I, I'm sorry if you've spent time in jail for something in the securities. I don't. I get it. You did your time, but I have options out there. That's probably the one thing I won't do. <laughs> you know, so, uh, no excuses for that.
0: Got it. Got it. So, and how exactly are underwriting based on current market situation?
1: So, looking at the debt piece is probably the most important piece right now, and the assumptions for rent bumps and making sure the property is going to pass its DSCR test in the next year, which um, because things are highly leveraged, looking at, you know, too much leverage, interest rates changing. So they might walk in with one interest rate and buy a cap, but I want them to underwrite to the max, right? The max cap and then see what does that do to the DSCR test in year one, two, three. Um, I am not some amazing professional underwriter, but my partner is. He works for a large, investment firm the firm he works for now is a spin-off of the original firm that went public last summer and they're like 40 billion so he's a director he's a director of their 1031 department so he buys and sells assets year-round like multiple assets I love our scrappy guys in the syndication world we're like oh we buy a couple assets a year they're growing that's amazing but um, my partner buys five, buys and sells five or six a year. Just they have so much going on, so he's very familiar with certain markets. So he can look at an underwriting and say, "Oh, they're never going to hit those numbers in year one or year two, Or one deal recently, he looked at, it, he's like, "Yeah, it's going to take them eight years to get this business model in a in a specific market." So um, he is a professional underwriter, probably too professional, probably too conservative for the most part. Uh, so we probably. have Turned down a lot of deals that might've actually been okay, but he just underwrites to the standards of that investment group and they're pretty strict. So specific stuff, it's hard to say because it's different for every market, but I would say the main focuses are the debt and the assumptions for rent bumps, especially because we've had so much increased rent bumps and cap rate compression over the last three years or so that can we keep doing that trajectory? Probably not. I want to see with inflation. Yeah, sure. We might have some higher rent, but we're also going to have higher expenses. And a lot of people are not adjusting their amount of increase for expenses, not even close. They still have 2% in there. Like that's the same. Like, uh, did you not see the 9% inflation? I mean, why are you only inflating your expenses 2% when we know inflation is nine or more, right? Not saying they need to put nine, but how about four or three at least? Like, um, So it's just trying to get in the heads of the operators of where they are and how sophisticated they are at their uh, projections and assumptions. So one thing being that being said, though, is investors need to understand that the return profile is going to, it needs to pull back. If you see a 22 and 28 IRR, I would get really skeptical. So if we're truly writing conservatively while, pre- while prices are going up and interest rates are going up, there is no way that we can keep the same return profile that we've had the last three or four years, yeah. unless you're yeah. being really aggressive with your rent assumptions because rent bumps are an, an expense decrease is what creates value in a property. Yeah. So there's a lot of really aggressive assumptions that the last three years are going to continue on in, in Per- perpetuity. What is that word? Whatever. <laughs> like forever. It's not. Like Americans are getting squeezed and we can only, at some point, we won't be able to afford all of the rent bumps.
0: Got it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, you know, your perspective on that. Uh, and so, would you share any of your best real estate investing experience so far?
1: Oh, best? Do you mean subjectively or like economically or what do you mean? Just...
0: Any, like any, so, I mean, any, any experience got you, you know, better feeling or, you know, better returns overall?
1: Well, I will say I invested in, at the end of 2019 and early 2020, and both of those investments are going full cycle this year, and they're both going to be 3x. So, of course, that's great. But again, I'm not a genius. My partners aren't geniuses. We just got kind of lucky with the market timing, right? So, I guess that's the best because... You invest and it takes a while before you you get to see it. And I'm just glad those two are going to 3X. But I, you know, anything in the future, I, I wouldn't have that same. I didn't have the expectation, but it, I, I would not expect that moving forward. So it is nice to see the labor because one of the properties was a class C small apartment building that I just had with um, joint venture partners. We closed January of 2020 and it's a class C in Virginia, which is not a very landlord-friendly state. I will tell you, we got our butts kicked in 2020 and 2021 because of COVID. Um, we never took a distribution. We only fed the beast. We we gave money and gave money, and we'll finally exit and we'll happily walk away from that one. We got an unsolicited offer cash and something we we couldn't refuse. So that partially is luck, but partially you know just going through the motions we were starting to come out we would have been fine on our own like we were starting to have profitable months um because we were able to evict starting in i think june or may so probably would have turned out but it's it's nice to know if you you stick to it and you have reserves and you have the ability to pay the mortgage when the tenants don't want to that you end up winning on the other side because you get all the appreciation, you get all the depreciation. We didn't really get any cash flow. We'll get some capital gains though. Um, so yeah, it's nice to see things go full cycle, I would say.
0: <laughs> cool. <laughs> and w- what is your current focus, Melanie? My
1: focus is just finding really strong investments for the fund that, you know, are well underwritten and conservative. I'm looking for cash flow deals right now things um i'll do the value add multifamily frequently but between every value add multifamily or or anything that doesn't have cash flow early on i want to squeeze a cash flow deal in there whether it's a debt note or um a triple net because they tend to be really higher on the cash flow and less on the irr side because there's really no value add and triple net and then um storage is kind of right in the middle you get cash flow and a little bit of irr too so between the bread and butter of the multifamily, the value-add multifamily. I want to get in some cash flow opportunities so investors can get their monthly monthly checks so they can build their financial freedom.
0: Cool, cool. And a- a- any books that impacted your life and what way?
1: For sure, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I know everybody says that, but it really pivoted. It just was a mind-blowing, mind-shift book for me back in 2015. So. Obviously, if people haven't read that, they should read that, but they probably all have. Um, and then one that's not specifically real estate or business, The Power of Now, I've read about the same time as as Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that's more of a philosophy, spiritual sort of book, but just really rooting you down to like, you have the wheel in your hands and you can design whatever life you want. And the past is past. The future is not you know, promised at all. So being more present and building, you know, each day, living each day. I think that's important. We can think about the future and financial freedom and push. I used to do that a lot. I really would just look at the future, look at the future. And I missed a lot of my life because I was always thinking about what the next thing was. When I was in high school, I wanted to be in the military. When I was in the military. I wanted to be in college. When I was in college. I wanted to be in the job. When I was in the job, I was miserable. And yeah, I missed, I missed a lot of my life simply for not being present. So the power of now, it's equitable. toll.
0: Cool. And how can listeners can connect with you, Melanie?
1: So my website, um, freestylecapitalgroup.com, that's, um, there's like signing up for the newsletter, whatever, you'll end up in my CRM, right? It's not very relational or, or sexy or anything, but I truly, and when you read my bio at the end, I truly just want to know each of my investors. I don't really want an investor to invest with me that I haven't had a conversation with, or that I wouldn't go have a beer with or grab coffee with. Honestly, I really just want a relational business. I can have 99 investors, but I only want 35. Honestly, if I had 35 households that invested almost every deal that I did, I I would be done. And that would, that would be ideal. Cause I don't need thousands of people in my funnel. I don't, I I just want to get to know people and, and have, you know, relational sort of relationship. So they can start at the website, and when they end up in the newsletter, I'm sure I'll reach out, send them a personal note and say, hey, saw you, saw, signed up. Who are you? <laughs> Let's chat.
0: <laughs> cool. Cool. And thank you very much, Melanie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP 360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I will see you next time.